This is a Federal News Network podcast. The National Reconnaissance Office has just released a big contracting opportunity specifically geared toward commercial satellite services. It's an opening up of sorts for the normally secretive NRO, but it and many other spy agencies are turning more often to the private sector as commercial space services explode. For more on the NRO deal, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And tell us, Justin, what NRO's plan is for this, just a solicitation at this point. The NRO, yeah, just released this broad agency announcement, essentially a a solicitation, a, a contracting vehicle, if you will. It's called Strategic Commercial Enhancements. And what it essentially allows the agency to do is publish areas of interest through this BAA, telling industry, this is what we're interested in, show us what you got. And then NRO can decide whether they want to seek formal proposals to actually buy something along those lines. Now, As you mentioned in the top, this represents a a bit of an opening toward commercial industry for the NRO, which launches the big spy satellites, most of which we're not aware of. Here's NRO Director Christopher Scalise speaking at the GeoInt Symposium in St. Louis, Missouri last week. We have to innovate faster. We, We can't rely on the standard contracting approach, which... While it goes reasonably fast, it it still takes time. And ideas come quickly and new technologies are being developed every day. But more importantly, new ways to employ technology are happening even faster. That's NRO Director Christopher Scalise talking about a new contracting vehicle for the NRO. The first area of interest under this BAA is commercial radar applications. Uh, and NRO says it will be updated, the BAA will be updated multiple times per year over the next several years with new areas. And of course, NRO, as you say, is going commercial. The National Geospatial Intelligence Agency has been buying commercial data for some time now. So at NRO now, why the push for commercial? Well, the commercial space sector has grown rapidly over the last decade, as we all know. And and we're not just talking about space launch. We're talking about small satellites that can pick up all sorts of information from above about what's going on on Earth down below. And, you know, there are a range of companies, Synthetic Aperture Radar comes to mind, that are able to detect changes in what's happening on the Earth that you would, of course, expect uh, these spy agencies to be very interested in. Dennis Bowerman is Director of Analytic Services at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and he described what the NGA wants to do with all this commercial data. But having those commercial providers in innovative ways adding more information to what we know is going to help us to provide what I, again, call that synthetic persistence of being able to know where everything is all the time. From an analysis standpoint, that allows us to derive pattern of life analysis so that we can understand what the adversary is doing. That's Dennis Bowerman, Director of Analytic Services at NGA, describing why they want to bring so much commercial data into the government data that NGA and NRO already derive about the goings-on on on Earth's surface. Amazing what you can get into a three-unit CubeSat nowadays. It's just tremendous, and there's going to be thousands of them in orbit, they say, maybe 3,000 of them, you know, in the next 10 or so years. All right, and we're speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. What are some of the challenges with the new commercial strategies that came up at the forum? Yeah, well, as you can expect, security and cybersecurity is still a big concern. Stacey Dixon, who's Principal Deputy Director of National Intelligence, spoke about some of those concerns at the GeoInt Symposium. I think we see in the headlines every day that someone else is being hacked. Some other bit of intellectual property is being stolen. We need you all to 
really double down in terms of the investments that you're making to protect your companies, protect your IP, protect the capabilities that we are then going to rely on you for. We want to be able to use the capabilities that you're providing a lot more, but we have to have the confidence in the security of the data that's being delivered. And only you can really do that investment for yourselves. That's Stacey Dixon, Principal Deputy Director of National Intelligence, speaking at the GEOINT Symposium last week. Another big concern is how do you process all this data? How do you manage it? How do you ingest it? And what do you do with it? The National Geospatial Intelligence Agency just released a new data strategy that calls for treating data as a strategic resource. And Vice Admiral Sharp, the director of NGA, called the growth in commercial GEOINT data staggering. We need to be deliberate about that, where we're processing data where we're making sense out of data in order to meet the demand signal to deliver GeoInt in single-digit minutes, sensor to shooter or sensor to decision maker. Kind of like the mountains Lewis and Clark had to scale, data is a mountain we have to climb. And that's the NGA director. And I guess maybe he was referring in part to the need for much greater download speeds than you can get with RF communications. And there's a lot of chasing after new technology there. Did that come up too, Justin? Well, I talked to the chief data officer at NGA uh, last week as well. And he talked about how they're really concerned about what format they're getting the data in from industry uh, they want industry to understand how they, they need specific data formats to help feed their analysis processes. So that's one thing that they'd come up. They also want to work with industry on a lot of these data management and analytics services issues. And you see a lot of companies in the cloud space and otherwise working on those issues. And they had a big presence out at the GeoInt Symposium as well. So you can certainly see how anyone who's working with data and looking to pitch sort of data processing and management capabilities is going to have an opening here. Maybe this acknowledges the fact that since it's been a long time since the United States was exclusive in space. I mean, China has fleets of sats doing its observations. India and many other nations, Israel, you know, have assets in space. Why not use commercial? Because there's nothing exclusive about the ability to look down on the earth from space nowadays. That was one of the big themes that's kind of underlying this whole conversation that happened out of G going last week. How, how do these agencies stay relevant in a time when anyone can go to a commercial satellite firm or, or open source even and find out information about something that's happening in, in China or just some someplace around the world? And I, I think what you heard from agencies is that, A, they still have very exquisite satellite capabilities uh, that are classified and, and, and that outpace what the commercial sector has for both technological reasons and uh, and reasons of law, they can't go below a certain threshold. Uh, but I also think you heard agencies talk about how they're they're going to bring all this information together, and that's their secret sauce. How they bring the analysis and all these different sources together to paint a picture of the world, whether it's for the military or the intelligence community and decision makers and government. I wonder how many rolls of film William Shatner shot the other day from his uh, Hasselblad up there with Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I'd like to see that. All right. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out all of his coverage of the big GEOINT conference at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. 
During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about, but that's should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I, I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, w- WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening, 
to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.